Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the show this week by fellow consultant, Ian Crothers. Hey, Ian. Hey, Dom. How are you going? I'm good. Fellow consultant, though, stepping back. So how long have you been here? 13 years? 13 years, Dom, yep. 13 terrific years, I'm sure, Ian. But you've made the decision to to scale back a bit, you know, and to step back from the, the day-to-day stuff in the company, but you'll still be around to help out, you know, every now and then. So, Yeah, that's it. New chapter for me, Dom. Over Christmas, wife and I uh, did the sea change, moved up to the mid-north coast, and it's all kind of under the heading of trying to wind down a little bit. So, yeah, re- re- kind of sh- reshaping my, my role here with human synergistics a little bit. So still be around, still be doing some bits and pieces, but just not to the degree that I have been. Yeah, fair enough. And a lot of our listeners probably know you, in as Mr. Accreditation. So a lot of them who are listening to this episode probably came across you during accreditation in their LSI, GSI in particular. And so I thought it would be cool. And I was rather than just letting you walk out the door with your 13 years of experience is to share some of the lessons you've learned over that time, particularly when it comes to uh, debriefing LSIs, because, you know, you've done, I don't know how many hundreds, thousands, maybe (laughs) Um, it's up there anyway, however many it is over those years. So I'd love just to hear, you know, what, what are your kind of top tips, particularly for people, you know, coming through accreditation, maybe at the moment or soon to be? What are some thoughts you'd leave with them of things you've learned over your time? Yeah, great, great. Well, I'm sure if I thought about it long enough and hard enough, I'd probably come up with a, a list of 50, but I've got four or five here that you know have been good learnings for me. I can clearly remember when I was a newbie. I've been accredited for about 10 years now, but I can remember when I had my oil plates on and I was first doing this work. And so re- reflecting back to those times, there's about four or five things that occur to me as kind of good good learnings and, and so that they're the ones that I'll kind of share in today's session. So if we're ready to go, uh, sort of go the, the first one that sort of springs to mind is, you know, we need to remind ourselves constantly why we do the LSI. And so the LSI is purely a self-development tool. Now that's not to, you know, understate it or undersell it, but that's the purpose of it. We use it for self-development. And so I'm sure, you know, anyone who's accredited, LSI accredited, at some point in their use of the instrument, you know, we'll have some LSI conversations with their clients where really it's been a genuinely, you know, life-changing experience for that person. You know, that's going to happen for sure. But I think that the learning for me is don't perhaps expect that every single time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so the instrument is, is around self-development and people are going to be in varying places with that, I guess, you know, in terms of where does that sit right now for them as a priority? And so oftentimes, whilst we would hope it's a minority of times, you know, but oftentimes it's just a matter of sort of timing, if you like, in that people are not sort of at a, at a position where they can lean into this perhaps as, you know, as much as other folks might. So, you know, it, it ends up not being necessarily a life-changing experience. I mean, hopefully it's still interesting for people, but we do have to just remind ourselves it's their development journey. It's not ours. And at the end of the day, despite all of the great work that we're doing as debriefers and, and you know, how fabulous the instrument is, 
people have to kind of pick this up and make of it what they will. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely, there'll be some folks and, you know, uh, this is definitely the case. Some, for some folks, these conversations are life changing, but for other folks, kind of not so much, you know, and, and I just remember in my early days almost feeling deflated mm. around that if I had an LSI conversation and I just sort of got a sense that it didn't really land for people, you know, to the degree that I was hoping. I used to be fairly hard on myself about that, but I think the learning is, you know, this is not my development journey and it's not my development conversation, it's theirs. And so people will be at, at very different places in terms of how they react, how it lands for them and, and what they ultimately do with it those sort of decisions are going to sit with them. And if it doesn't really seemingly land that well with people, let's not be hard on ourselves. As accredited practitioners, that will happen sometimes. And it's not a reflection on your great work. And it's certainly not a reflection on the tool. It's just a matter of timing and uh, where people are at at that point in time with the whole notion of spending time and energy on self-development. So I was just doing an accreditation the last two days, running a technical workshop, and th that question came up. And I think because people know how powerful it can be, they want that for everyone. And that's awesome. You know, we want everyone to have awesome insights and, and to get real value out of it. But it's not ultimately up to us. You know, you can open the door, but they've got to walk through. And I'm with you. I remember feeling kind of bummed out, like, oh, that didn't, didn't get a breakthrough, you know, and you can't kind of expect that every time. And actually, I heard from someone who in that accreditation, actually, they had done the LSI eight years ago or 10 years ago or something like that and it kind of bounced off them at that point and they've you know done it again now and they're like wow you know so much insights here i wish i had a listen 10 years ago but it just wasn't the right time for them at that point they're like i was a bit more young i probably you know just wasn't ready to hear it kind of stuff yeah i've now. had that experience a lot dom too actually you know where folks will tell me you know they have done this before you know, this might be the third time they've done it. And they'll often comment, you know, I didn't get a whole lot out of it first time around. You know, and I, so I, I think that's a fairly common thing, you know, that for some folks, they need to kind of work through this a couple of times, really, for, mm. to get to a point where it has maximum impact for mm. them. Awesome. Okay. So don't put it all on your shoulders. Yeah, that's the key point. You know, I, I can clearly remember as a newbie, you know, going home from work feeling somewhat down about the fact that mm. I'd done a debrief that afternoon that sort of hadn't landed and being fairly critical of myself about that. But yeah. that's not fair. You yeah. know, it's not a reflection on the work that I did and not a reflection on the instrument. It's it's just the way it's going to be sometimes for some folks. That's it. What's your next tip, Ben? All righty. Again, as a newbie, you know, I can time just flies, right? There's been accredited for a decade probably, but it seems like yesterday. But <laughs> And probably this says, you know, something about me more than anything else, but I can clearly remember as a newbie being somewhat nervous around the prospect of an emotional response to the data. Mm. <laughs> and that could be anything. It could be people getting upset or crying or maybe people getting really angry about it. You know, I was sort of nervous about that and, and maybe nervous about my capacity to deal with it. You know, what am I going to uh -huh, do if uh -huh. the person gets upset in the moment, you know? And so what a couple of things, what, what I came to learn is that, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of clients having emotional reactions, you know, it, it you know, almost kind of expect it. Perhaps it's not always going to happen, of course, but we should go into these conversations, you know, with the real possibility that people might get, get upset here or angry or whatever. And that's okay. You know, it's a part of the process for some people. And 
So not really something to be feared. It's a key part of the process for, for a lot of people. And what I often found, not always of course, but what I often found in hindsight is where we did get some sort of emotional reaction, ultimately they're some of the more, you know, kind of effective or successful debriefs I've done because, you know, that people got upset because they saw something that was important to them, mm. you know, it, it had an impact for them. And so that often is the first step towards doing something a little bit differently or, or trying something else, you know, because it's important to them that there is that sort of desire to, to work with the data and, and to work towards making some changes, you know. And so sometimes it's just a necessary part of the process for a lot of people, not everyone. So, I, you know, I, I just came to kind of, you know, you, you've got to be okay with that and sort of expect it. And to not be afraid of it, um, it, it's potentially actually a good thing that the person's having an emotional response of some sort because it means it's important to them. They care. You know, it means they care at some level. And like you say, you know, it's like go going to the gym. We, we all know we're supposed to eat right and work out and stuff. But unless you have the motivation, people won't do it, you know. And so there's the, you know, the person who can't give up smoking through their life, has a heart attack. Suddenly they, they give it up. You know, and so because it means something to them now, they care, you know, so yeah, maybe that's a more extreme version, but you get what I'm saying, you know, it means people are engaged. And so there can be, you know, a nervousness around that. And I think we all probably went through that, you know, a nervousness of, oh, what if someone reacts in this way or that way? That's all right. You know, and same, that's kind of the more emotional side. But if someone gets up like, um, you know, kind of angry or something like rejecting the feedback, you know, for me at least. I'm on their side. Like, I'm not here to, like, you know, make you do something or, or yeah. force anything on you. That's not the point. The point is we're going to explore together what this data is and we're going to be curious about what it means for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, just as a little an aside to all of this, but it, it's um, connected. Again, in the early days, you know, I definitely felt myself slipping, you know, in the face of sort of an emotional response, slipping into a kind of a rescuer mode mm. sometimes. And I think that's pretty important that we catch ourselves. You know, we're not there to rescue anyone, save anyone, you know, and that's not, that's not our job. That's not the role. And, and so just being able to be with people as they work through it, just hold the space, just, just sit with them. Rather than, you know, sort of what is, you know, sometimes a hard temptation to resist, but rather than sort of just being tempted to try to fix it for them or rescue them, a degree of uncomfortableness and that and having people sit with it is very important. And you don't want to sort of detract from that by you coming in over the top, you know, in an attempt to help or rescue someone, you know, and, but I can remember in the early days, there was that sense of, oh gosh, you know, I, what am I going to do? How do I help? But resisting that, I think, is a good a good thing too. Yeah, great point. So it's not collaborating with them to like justify away the results. Of saying we want to hold that point of tension. You know, totally. So we don't have to try to make things okay if they're not okay. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Hold that point of tension. Awesome. What's next? All right. Well, and maybe this this um, relates a, a little bit. You know, I, I learned pretty early on in doing this work that. You know, you can't look at someone's reports, you know, circumplex data as an example, look at their reports in advance and therefore predict how the conversations are going to go or the type of reaction you're going to get, right? You, you just can't. And so that in itself, for me anyway, begs the question of, is it really time well spent 
for me to pour over these reports in advance and spend big chunks of time preparing? And I, and I think the answer to that is no. You know, in, in the early days, you know, people probably do, you know, want to want to spend a bit more time preparing than they ultimately will. But I, I came to to learn pretty early that it's just not great use of your time, really. And in a way, you can be doing yourself and possibly the client a disservice because it is possible to over-prepare, you know, to kind of overthink it. And then when you sit down with the person, the conversation doesn't play out that way at all and you, you sort of can get a bit thrown or, you or know. trying to drag off. them back to what you think they should be saying or saying yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I know plenty of people, you know, even folks in our team you may well be one, Dom. I'm not not sure. I don't think I've ever asked you. But I know plenty of people who, as a matter of preference, will not look at reports in advance because they rather just get in and discover it together with the person, mm. you know. And so it boils down to personal preference, you know. If that's your personal preference, then awesome, you know, please do that. I'm not in that camp. I, I will have a quick look at the reports, but it's a very quick look, really. You know, I might spend 60 seconds. I'm not going to, certainly not going to spend 60 minutes you know, preparing. And, and so, you know, I, I am curious about the circumplex data. And in the case of the LSI 1, I'm very curious with the, the items in the back, the satisfaction items and summary perceptions. But that's about it. You know, that's about it. And, and so, again, you know, in the early days, I probably did pour over these things in advance and work myself up into a bit of a frazzle about it all, you know. Mm. And, and it's just not great use of your time is, is my view anyway. Just get in there and, and have the conversation. Yeah, I think even if you, you know, the 30 second prepare or the two minute prepare or whatever it is, you got to treat it as a theory and theories are there to be disproven kind of thing. So I do. So I, I have a quick look, but it's a quick look. And it's really just so I know some areas I might want to pitch questions to and particularly like in the rapport building phase, if there's something in particular in those satisfaction items you know, like the outsider work ones are low or the relationships at work ones are low, I'm going to ask, <laughs> what's exactly. going on at work? You know, I'm going to ask some questions to those areas to, you know, start building that story already, you know, in the rapport building point. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a good segue into my next point. I was going to talk about the satisfaction items in an LSI 1 and then I'll also talk a little bit about the item by item pages, you know, LSI 1 and LSI 2. But mm. I suspect I fell into this trap, but I, I do know a lot of newbies fall into this trap because I, I've kind of seen it as people have come back for, you know, recall sessions or LSI practice sessions. And that is, you know, not using those satisfaction items in an LSI one to maximum effect, sort of almost, perhaps almost forgetting that they're there, <laughs> you know, uh, but in a lot of cases, they can be really, really valuable. You know, how people have scored that satisfaction items page. You know, we've got to remember it's there. We've got to remember to work through it. For me on the satisfaction items, people will probably remember it's a one to five scale. I will pick out every item where the person has scored three or less. And we want to have a conversation about that, you know. Mm. And so, yeah, I guess that's just a little, a little learning. I, I probably didn't in my very early days value that as much as I probably should have, but over time came to sort of see that almost as one of the most valuable pages for some people anyway in, in their LSI one, the satisfaction items. I've had ones before in where you're talking through the circumplex and it kind of feels like it's bouncing off. We're not getting far. And I say, like, oh, well, we're going to be done in record time, you know. And then you get to that satisfaction page and that's actually what opens it up for people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, so there can be some really good 
conversation points, conversations to be had around that particular page. So that's that's just a little tip. Just always, of course, remember it's there and, and spend an appropriate amount of time on it. With the item by item, so this is just a personal thing perhaps, but I, I kind of have a slightly different approach with item by items, you know, when I'm working with an LSI 1 report versus an LSI 2 report. And so LSI 1, you know, those items can be very insightful in terms of getting a sense of, you know, people's relationship with themselves. You know, what are they asking of themselves? How are they talking to themselves? How are they treating themselves? You know, the item by item scores can be very helpful with that stuff. And again, you know, even at an individual item level, it can be very impactful for people. Mm. You know, there, there's some of those items in there and, and the ways in which people have scored it is very insightful, I think, for, you know, what they're asking of themselves. So LSI 1, you know, I do get into that item level in a fairly detailed way. When I get to LSI 2, I usually find myself avoiding that a little bit. And this is just personal preference. I mean, obviously, we're going to look at the items. But for me, LSI 2 time, I like to encourage people to come up a level and just to look at it through the lens of themes and patterns in the feedback. So this is feedback that you have from other people. What is the general flavor of that feedback, if you like? What's the essence of the feedback, mm-hmm. you know, themes and patterns? I just personally find that's a better way to come at it rather than drilling too much into individual scores on individual items. I've just had, look, you know, it's not my report, is it? You know, so people will, will gravitate towards, you know, what's of interest to them and as they should. But I have found that sometimes people get a bit lost in the weeds item by items in an LSI 2, you know, mm. like, like, you know, they said what <laughs> kind mm. of stuff, mm. but they can sort of miss miss the the general flavor holistically of the feedback that we're looking at. So I just, that's the, just a little switch of gears, you know, LSI 1, I do get into individual scores, you know, item by item, looking for clues in terms of how people are kind of treating themselves, if you like talking to themselves, but LSI 2, I tend to try to stay up a level and it's more around patterns and themes. I think, like, I'll, I'll look at items in LSI 2, but you just got to make sure you don't get lost in the like, well, this is 0.34 and that one's 0.75, exactly. you know, like, yeah, it, it can get, you know, it's not a math exam or whatever, you know, like, we kind of missed the point if that's yeah. where we're at. It's more, well, what are the ones that are, we're over-indexing in, you know, what does that suggest, you know, yeah. as people's perception, you know, how they experience us and what does that mean for you, you know, if that's the flavor. Yeah, exactly. And it's a good it's a good point you made about the deltas, you know, because you'll have some people, so they've zeroed in on an individual items and zeroed in on the individual delta scores and they might notice, let's just say it's a blue style. And so as we know that, you know, the ones we want to ponder more so or anything that has a, a negative there, but they'll pick up that it's a really small number. Mm. Like, yeah, it's a negative, but it's 0.01 or something, you know what I mean? And I, I, to your point, I just think we're sort of missing the point there a little bit, you know, like, and so if I'm getting that sort of reaction, almost like a justification, you know, yeah, it's a negative, but it's only really tiny. It's still a negative, right? And so I try to encourage people to not look so much at how much, how big is the delta. I mean, there is, you know, mathematically there's some, you know, merit to that, but I just think you can get lost. It's a distraction 
if something's a negative in blue, it's a negative, you know. Mm. And if something's a positive on the green and reds, it's a positive, you know. Don't don't worry too much about the size of the delta that's sort of going down another level, isn't it, you know. But even so, once we know how to read those pages in terms of the deltas, I want to encourage people to come up a little bit and look for patterns and themes. I just think that's a better, better use of their time. But you know what? Like it's not, as I said before, it's not my report, right? And so if that's where people want to go, that's where they should go. But I just have a nervousness that for some folks, they get a bit lost and they mm. miss the key messages mm. in, you know, what is the essence of this feedback? They said, what? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Are there any others? Or I Look, I, I just wanted to finish on, I, I think, Dom, and it's just a little bit of a personal plug. <laughs> I guess, for the spread of opinion page in an LSI too. I really love that mm. page. For those who are relatively newly accredited, you know, you, you may not know that that page wasn't always available in the report. My memory's hopeless, Dom, and time has just flown by, but I'm going to guess like three to four years ago is when we made that enhancement. So it wasn't in the report. So people that have been accredited for a while would, of course, know that that we didn't used to get that page. Mm. We used to just have to rely on the actual standard deviation numbers to to help us answer the question of consistency of response. Anyway, whenever it was, let's say three three to four years ago, we made that enhancement and put the the spread of opinion page in. But I, I just think it's super important. You know, you can get so far in looking at an LSI 2 circumplex, but you've also got to have in the back of your mind, does this picture represent everyone's view or does it not? And that spread of opinion page is very, very helpful there. So that's a little plug. I guess it's another thing that I I think perhaps newbies sometimes miss, Mm. a bit of a trick there. Mm. That's a pretty helpful page to help us have LSI2 conversations. Fantastic. Thanks, Ian. So I took, you know, it's up to them, you know, so you can open the door, but ultimately they've got to walk through. Don't fear the emotional reaction. In fact, it can mean that they just really care, you know, and it's really unlocked something for them. So lean into it and hold a point of tension, you know, rather than trying to make it okay. Preparation, so, you know, don't over-prepare. You can take a peek, but don't kind of overdo it. Use those satisfaction items at the back of the LSI 1. You know, there can be real value in there. And for the item by items, you know, particularly in the LSI 2, look for the themes, look for the patterns, don't get lost in the weeds too much. And the final one there about the spread of opinion. You know, don't overlook that one either. Well, thanks so much, Ian. I feel like I have benefited from your experience because I know you've taught me a lot. You know, as I was learning all this stuff, I've definitely been under your tutelage. I think you might have been the one who accredited me. I can't remember now. <laughs> May well it's possible. <laughs> you know, and I know that there'll be tons of listeners who are the ones you've accredited or coached or whatever. And so, you know, from all of us, you know, thank you very much for all you've done for us and for everyone over these 13 years. It's really appreciated, I know, by the team. We're going to miss having your humour around the office. I know we'll still see you around a bit, but not in the office, uh, kind of at your desk kind of thing. So we'll miss your humour and your spirits you bring to the team. So thank you very much, Ian. No problem. No problem, Dom. Okay. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia. All rights reserved. 
To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.